0: Wine Podcast. My name is J. Matthew Barnes. The goal of New Wine is simply this, to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in the real world, especially for those of us who are tired of doing it the same old way. This is podcast number 21, and here's the question we'll try to answer this time. How should the division of labor in the church between leaders and congregants be lived out? Who should be doing the work? Like so many other people in this world, I often find myself stuck in the in-between. You know, that no man's land where it's hard to figure out what to do since you resonate with more than one option. I certainly find myself in the in-between when it comes to theology and politics. I tend to be more moderate than many, which makes sense to me. But what it has resulted in is that people on the left and the right make assumptions about my opinions and then they often attack me explicitly or implicitly once they find out that I don't easily line up with their ideological platforms exactly. And that's just one example. There are many, many others. I'm an employee of a mid-sized nonprofit, and I'm a freelancer. I'm into exercise and health as well as hamburgers and procrastination. I highly value the many benefits of professional counseling while also often being too proud to use the service myself. And I could go on and on and on. I'm often stuck in the in-between. But one of the in-betweens that I find to be really prominent right now is that I'm both the leader in the church and I'm a person who is being led in the church. People look to me to help give them guidance spiritually and otherwise, But at the same time, I'm looking to other people to help me in the same sorts of ways. Now, I don't think I'm special in this way at all. Everyone who follows Jesus should be a leader, even if they're only leading one other person. And everyone who follows Jesus should also be led, even if they're only being led by one other person. In fact, if we ever find ourselves without a leader and without any people viewing us as leaders, then we're probably doing something incorrectly. One of my colleagues, Jeff Leo, who just so happens to also be one of my best friends, says it like this. Some people like to think of the church as coaches, that is leaders, and players, that is the rest of the people, the saints. Coaches and players. But he prefers to think of leaders as player coaches. In other words, no one sits on the sideline. That imagery of the player coaches Really evocative to me. Jesus has called some to be leaders in the church. That is, he's hired some coaches. But they too need to get in the game and take some shots. Sitting on the bench is not an option for anyone, including the coaches. Here's the text behind my thoughts in this particular podcast about the division of labor in the church. It's Ephesians 4, verses 11, 12, and 13. Here it is. Paul writes these words. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here's what I think Paul is saying in plain language. Jesus has made some people leaders so that they can equip others for works of service. In so doing, the church will be unified. It will be built up and matured, eventually becoming more and more like Christ himself. Now, full disclosure, there is some debate about exactly how all of the Greek syntax in this passage works. Specifically in question, is who is it that's doing the works of service? Now, I think the NIV that I read has it right. Namely, that it's those who are equipped who do the works of service. So that means everyone, since as we talked about before, even the leaders, the coaches, are really player coaches. They too need to be equipped to do works of service. All of this begs an important question. What prompted my interest in Ephesians 4 enough to want to record this podcast about it? Well, here's what I think. I think there are some very real dangers of not following this biblical example. In fact, I see at least three large dangers of doing something other than what Paul suggests in Ephesians 4. Here's the first danger. It seems that by default in the North American church, we are not following the Ephesians 4 model at all. Instead, those who are given as leaders do almost everything in the church. They prepare the worship services, teach the classes, serve the meals, engage in leadership development, do crisis counseling, lead an outreach to people who don't know Jesus yet, etc., etc., etc. And you might be thinking something like this, what's wrong with that picture, Matt? We, the local church, are paying this person, after all, shouldn't they do everything? Well, first of all, doing so, having this one person do everything, is not biblical, as we've already seen from Ephesians 4. Everyone is to be doing the works of service. And secondly, having our leaders do everything isn't practical. No single leader or a small group of leaders is gifted, qualified, or called to do everything. There are congregants who could do certain things much, much better than their spiritual leaders can. And third, lots and lots of pastor types totally burn out. By too much being asked of them or them agreeing to do too much. Honestly, many pastor types like doing everything because they're people pleasers or they like having control or a little bit of both. But doing everything, the leaders doing everything, is not a long-term solution for church leadership and the division of labor within the church. So this first danger is putting all of the work on the shoulders of the leaders. The second danger is that the leaders dump all the work onto the people minus a few things like preaching, offici- officiating life events like weddings and funerals, serving communion if you are part of a denomination that does that, and other things like that. Now, What would this even look like, a leader dumping all the work out, since most of our churches experience the first danger and not this one? Well. Here's an actual story, a real story, that I was told a few years ago that will illustrate this danger well. A person was hired by a church to launch a particular ministry. He had great success launching a similar ministry at a different church before. So the thought was that this would work well this time, and and he even thought that it would be a cakewalk. He did a little bit of legwork at the beginning, training a few people, basically just giving them a binder with the ministry plan in it, and then selling the ministry a little bit from the front of the room on Sunday mornings. But once the ministry was launched, he, and I quote, the person who told me this story, put his feet up on his desk and never did another lick of work, unquote. This pastor, this man who was hired to start this ministry, expected the people to do all the work. Needless to say, the ministry that he launched did not do well. In fact, it did so poorly that many people in the church I'm talking about still have a bad taste in their mouths about this fiasco, even though it happened over two decades ago. So the second danger is the opposite of the first. The saints, the congregants, doing all the ministry while the leaders do almost none. Now there's a third danger. And here it is. I fear that most of our churches simply do what they've always done and never evaluate how and why they do things. First, it would be good to evaluate whether a given church is accomplishing its goals. I mean, why have a goal if you're not evaluating whether or not it's being accomplished? And it would be important to see how these goals were being accomplished. Are are diminishing returns being experienced? Or are people growing in their love for God, their love for others, and their disciple-making? But a second evaluative process is needed as well. Specifically, are there things that we are doing in our churches that line up with what we find in passages like Ephesians 4? Now, why is this a significant question? Well, in theory, it's possible to appear to be on track while not following God's design found in the Bible at all. That might look something like this a church doing what they've always done or what their denomination recommends they do, even though in so doing they're falling outside the parameters of Ephesians 4 and passages like it, but they seem to be growing in lots of different ways. It might also look like following the example of a business or the business world in general or the nonprofit sector in lieu of biblical mandates will be successful. Again, we might find some success in these ways, but it's not necessarily in accordance with the wisdom of God that we find in the scriptures. In other words, the ends don't justify the means. Instead, following God's means will produce the ends that he desires in the ways that he desires. Now, these dangers can be avoided, of course, But the only way to do so is for our churches to be intentional about their actions and programming and for solid evaluative processes to be put in place. Most churches don't do either of these things well, so we have a long way to go. But what would happen if our leaders equipped the saints and the other leaders of our churches too for works of service like like what's recommended in Ephesians 4? What would the result of this be? Well, according to the passage, first we're going to have to figure out what it means, this, what this phrase works of service means. The word here, the phrase here in Greek, has been used in a variety of ways. In particular, this word service is related to the words servant and the word deacon in Greek. And as such, it too carries with it the meaning of offering practical service like serving food, providing shelter, giving alms to the poor, etc., etc. Now, it's also used in the New Testament often, and it's used elsewhere in this way too, to indicate service provided to and for God himself. This would include various acts and rites of worship. Thus, wrapped up in this one word, this one word for service, we're told that the role of church leaders is to equip everyone, including other leaders, to live out the greatest commandment from Matthew 22, to love God and to love others. To put it in this language, to serve God and to serve others. So, to say it very clearly, leaders are to help everyone do works of service, meaning, serving one another and others, as well as serving God. Second, the text itself tells us that if our leaders equipped us all well and we received and applied the equipping ourselves, then three results would come about. The church would be unified, it would be built up, and it would be brought to maturity. Now I don't know about you, but to me that sounds great. Let's dive in a bit more. First, the church will be built up. If everyone is doing works of service then it stands to reason that the church, meaning the people and not the building, of course, will grow and learn and get better. We will be built up through the equipping of people for service. The church will also be unified. Now, if we're all equipped to serve and we're doing so well that it only makes sense that we'll be unified. We'll be unified in purpose, namely to serve. And we'll be unified in basic outlook, namely to love, putting the interests of others before our own. And the church will be matured. As we serve one another, we will grow up. It's hard to stay immature and selfish while actively serving God and serving others. In fact, since Jesus is our ultimate role model and being a servant was his job description while on earth, it only makes sense that we will become more mature as followers of Jesus if we are equipped to follow in his footsteps of service. On the next podcast, we'll spend some more time breaking down the five leader types that Paul mentions. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. But for now, we have a pretty clear picture of what's expected of the church. The leaders are to equip everyone, including other leaders, to serve God and to serve one another and others. Then everyone does it. We all serve. And in so doing, we are built up, unified, and mature. In other words, Paul is saying that leaders lead and everyone does the work. That's a solid division of labor right there. Thanks for exploring the topic of the division of labor within the church with me. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And also, check out my website, jmatthewbarnes.com. That's j-a-y-matthewbarnes.com. Lastly... If you'd like to help support the creative process that helps bring this podcast to life, then please check out my Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com slash jmatthewbarnes. That's the letter J this time, Matthew Barnes. The letter J, Matthew Barnes. There are some fun rewards there for folks who pledge support, although any level of support will be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for your time, grace, and peace.